registered for lunch tomorrow. Um, you can leave your name tags at that table where you put your meal tickets tonight after the banquet if you're not going to be here for lunch. If you are going to be here for lunch tomorrow, you can leave them with me at lunch tomorrow. Um, also, for those that had packets, uh, there was an evaluation form in there, so feel free to fill that out, and again, you can leave that um, tomorrow with me at lunch as well. And if you need more time to think about it, I'll send an email with an electronic form too, so you'll got both options. All right. Um, also, people have been asking about pictures throughout the weekend. Uh, we will be sending out a link to a whole photo album of pictures. So you'll be able to get pictures that we took of the class photos and pictures from the banquet, regrad, throughout the weekend. So we'll be sending those out. And my last announcement is after this, there are books available for Phil Calloway, and there are also books, if you missed them, from Paul Chamberlain in this corner as well. So those will be available after the banquet as well. All right. So on to this evening. So tonight we'll be hearing different stories from the 1979 class as well. We'll be hearing some music and seeing some pictures. And has anyone spotted the picture on the wall yet? Yeah, we have. Yeah, so we'll be talking about that later on tonight as well. And um, as well, we'll be hearing from Phil Calloway. And we're super excited to have him here, one of our own, and speaking and sharing tonight. So I will now turn it over to our meal. So the food is ready, and I will be asking one of our board members, Nathan Rook, uh, to come up and open us in prayer this evening. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your faithfulness to us as evidenced by uh, these lives in front of me. Thank you for the stories of your faithfulness to them over these many years. Thank you for your provision of this food. We ask that your uh, blessing upon it. And for our time tonight, we ask that your name be glorified. And, and all we do and say, I pray that our hearts would become deeper in love with you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. For some organizational chaos, we're going to start at the front here. Um, so these front tables, you picked the right spots. Um, so you'll, you'll go first, and then we'll work our way backwards, because then it'll help for these people moving, coming back, and kind of a wave effect. So the front tables here. So this table with Tim, table with uh, Raja and Steve and them, this table with Cliff and Marge, and this with June, and these guys here, Jake and Len and Ken. So those tables start us off and then work your way back from there. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt, yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there were the blood of the 
allow me to um, interrupt your happy conversations for just a couple of minutes here. Um, what I'd like you to do, and I'm, I'm, I'm kidding now when I say this, but um, what I'd like you to do over the next few minutes before we have dessert is at your tables, talk about how all of you at your table will be joining us in Israel next May. <laughs> and then also, and then also, uh, how you'll all be coming back for the centennial in 2022. I suspect one of our speakers at the centennial will be Peter Fast. Um, possibly Deanna instead, because she, I, I, I think she might have more talent at speaking than he. <laughs> Those of you who were there this morning know I have a high view of women, and those of you who weren't really missed out. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's a delight to welcome you here. I hope you've had a good weekend. I hope you leave here with wind in your sails, and uh, we'll leave to pray for us. <laughs> Quite seriously, I do hope you feel invited to come back to Israel, uh, come to Israel with us. The, the dates are uh, May 7, be in Tel Aviv in the morning, we'll be ganging up into a, a bus. The seats are limited and we're hoping that we'll have filled all of them by September 30th, a week from now. So you've got lots of time to make your decisions and, uh, and we look forward to doing that with you. Elaine and I will be on that trip. I just found out that Peter and Deanna, or will Deanna be there as well or no? Probably not. When it, it, yeah, both of you will be there together. Peter and Deanna will be arriving about May 12th for some of their own work in, in Jerusalem. Um, and we might be able to hook up with them sort of later in the trip before we head off on the 20th. So the dates are May 7 to 19, arrive probably the 6th, and probably fly out about the 20th, uh, unless you want to do more with Peter after that. Um, in any case, you are invited. Number two, this centennial thing. I am so excited about our centennial celebration. July 22. The exact dates won't matter too much right now, but we want you to park a whole week. It will be the uh, reunion of all reunions. Uh, we are going to gather around the theme of Sukkot. And you're going, oh, good. No, you're going, what is that? <laughs> Sukkot is the Festival of Tabernacles. And the Festival of Tabernacles is a tremendous celebration within the Jewish calendar that is reiterated in Zechariah after the exile when they return to be continued to celebrate it, to be, to be celebrated continuously through all time. In fact, Zechariah 14, look it up, really worth reading. And now you're going to start, you know, it's like when you buy, buy a Toyota, you start seeing all Toyotas all over the place. Um, now start watching for the Festival of Booths or the Festival of Tabernacles in Scripture, and you're going to see it mentioned many, many, many times. I believe Solomon's, the dedication of Solomon's temple was during Sukkot. And of course, that was God coming to tabernacle with them, and I'm sure they timed it with Sukkot. I speculate that Jesus was born the first day of Sukkot, and that was what John was referring to uh, when God came to tabernacle with us in John 1. 
I, I'm speculating. I did just check that with Peter, and he thinks that's what the scholars are beginning to arrive at, that Jesus was probably born during Sukkot when God came to tabernacle with his people. So it's about remembering how God lived, took care of the people in the wilderness, came to tabernacle with him, the time of the tabernacle, the first building, and, and so on through history. Jesus, in John 7 and 8, go back and read it also, is, on, is in the festival of, t- of booths, or the festival of tabernacles, when he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me, and out of him will flow rivers of living water. John, later, in an aha moment, I think, said, now this he said about the Holy Spirit. So the rivers of living water that flow from us under the power of Jesus' name are the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the key celebrations of Sukkot, the drawing of water. Another is the lighting of of, um, the the lamps. Uh, This was four poles that were put up. There were four bowls on each pole, 16 bowls of oil, 10 gallons of oil in each bowl on the top of four poles that were 75 feet high. I don't know how they got that up there, but imagine getting your jerry can and heading up to the top of that to pour your oil in. I'm guessing they had a pulley system and drew it up. But nonetheless, they would have four of these 16 bowls of oil. They threw in a hem of a a priest's garment and lit it. And it was said that no house in Jerusalem, no courtyard in Jerusalem was, was not lit by the light that came from the temple. And they called the temple uh, the light of the world. And Jesus did a correction on that in John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. That's a rather radical sentence. Anyway, that's what we're going to do. We're going to draw ourselves in and around this topic and have different things. I don't know that we'll try and do it in, in true Jewish tradition, but we'll be gathering around it. It's a very important topic, and we'll also be celebrating our 100th anniversary in July 22. I hope you will all be here. I hope we overflow. And oh, we, by the way, you can just bring your campers. That's what the Sukkots are. Just bring, you know, Albertans are good campers. So just bring them out. We'll put out a whole bunch of campers out here, and you can sleep, sleep in tents. Finally, um, uh, Kendi mentioned returning your, your name tags. We want you to take the lanyards with you if you want. They're good keychains, um, good reminders of who we are. Also, we hope you've been able to grab a pen sometime during this weekend. Uh, we call them prayer pens, but it, it, it tends to be that, that, that you'll lose it because people will pick it up, and, and they're really good pens. Have you noticed? Rolling ball? I love those pens. So anyway, I hope you get at least one, take two. Um, we do want you to take those with you, and as you use them, be, be sure you're praying for us. I thank you again for being here. It's dessert time, I believe, or it will be shortly, and then, uh, or it might be seconds. Anyway, Kenny, back up here to get me out of trouble. Thanks, Mark. And um, I think we're able to say the name of the centennial. So the title of the centennial is Joy in the Journey, 100 Years and Counting. So keep an eye out for that as we'll start to put out promotion for Joy in the Journey. Um, As well, we're just about to show a couple of our promotion videos. One is about the Encounter program, which is our certificate and Bible. And then we'll show you another video, which is kind of the overview of the school. And then after that, or 
yeah, after that, we'll start serving dessert. And if I forgot to announce, there's coffee and tea just on the other side of this pillar. So help yourself to coffee and tea, and it's decaf. So there we go. For about a month now. Um, but what's really cool about this program is uh, not only the school is awesome, but the community here is pretty great. What I was really surprised about Prairie is that the teachers were genuinely interested in you as a person and how you were doing um, and not just grade-wise just like in your personal life and everything and that was really encouraging that they kind of are taking this holistic approach to make sure their students are doing well academically as well as personally. I think the most important thing that I learned from the Encounter program was I saw the Bible in a new way that I hadn't before. I hadn't realized that it was still as relevant as it, you know, people say it is. And I hadn't realized that there were stories from the Old Testament that would relate to me now. Hi, my name's Carmen. I teach Old Testament here at Prairie. One of my favorite parts about Prairie is our encounter program because it gives you a year to just sink deep into God's Word and discover what it's saying, how it's relevant to your life. A lot of our students who come into the Encounter program don't really know what they want to do with their life yet. They're still exploring. They want to figure out, like, who is God? Who am I? And how do these fit together? What is He calling me to do with my life? And so the Encounter program is a perfect place to figure that out. You come in and you dive into Bible classes, and you're doing it in a community of people who are also passionate about knowing God and finding out what He wants uh, them to do with their lives here at Prairie everybody's caring about you and it's just so cool to be part of a bigger community and help people out pray for them and also um, you know see other people's visions and where they are at and so in that context of community it's this amazing opportunity to discover what's next and to discover uh, a foundation that you can build the rest of your life on it's it's your launching pad I came here because I was hungry, passions brewing in my blood, purpose stirring in my bones, knowing I was made for more. Imperfect, searching for who I was, I had this unshakable sense that God had planted greatness inside of me that demanded to be nurtured. My heart bursting with desire to do something beautiful with my life for Jesus' sake. Here, my hunger met substance and depth, wisdom and direction grew roots and took form. My passions took flight while my soul got grounded. My purpose got narrow while my horizons expanded. Now, my future is clear, my focus sharper, my calling precise, and hope my anthem. In these past four years, I've traveled the world, seeing things I never could have imagined, witnessing real suffering and unspeakable beauty. I've felt the heart of God in the classroom and in the slums. I've discovered His voice through His word in unexpected ways. Now, resilient as I grow, become, triumph, and fail, I've experienced the power of community and being transformed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. What comes next is still a mystery. I can only see by the short light cast in front of me, a lamp unto my feet. But this place has given me everything I need to step forward, bold and confident. I'm ready to launch.
All right, folks. Um, while you're enjoying your uh, the last part of your dessert, I will um, say a few words. Um, first of all, just an announcement. Uh, if you possibly can do it, please, after this is done, head over to the RDAC and cheer on our Prairie Pilot basketball team as they um, beat up on Olds College. Uh, we would be very grateful for your support. They would be very grateful for cheering fans in the seats. And it gives you a chance to see our team in action. Uh, what I want to say tonight, I've got a bunch of stuff to say, but... I have to start off this way in saying, in 42 years, I would never have imagined this very specific time in history, like right this minute, this second. I have the mic, and in the room is my freshman year roommate. Oh, the stories that could be shared. Delbert Gingerich. Okay, all right. So I remember my very first weekend as a naive freshman. Oh, Kendi, this is being recorded, right? I, I can't go there. Okay, indulge me. I'll, I'll indulge you with another story which actually has, uh, what's the word, poetic irony, is that the right word? Um, poetic justice maybe is the right word. So the story I was going to, I'm not gonna go there, but this is a good one. Um, every morning, I know I irritated the liver out of Delbert. Um, so let me, let me create the, the backdrop of this story. A uh, gentleman in the class of 79 who lived in J.K. Dorm, put up your hand. All right, you recall that at six o'clock when we had to get up and you went and had your shower, it was cold, right? Can you affirm that? Amen, Amen I heard, yes. All right, you thought it was because the, the boilers in JK were small. Well, you have no one other to blame than my best friend, Byron Thompson, Myself and Winky, Steve Winkler. Now this is, where, this is where I irritated Delbert because to get a hot shower, we had to get up at five o'clock. So Byron would come down to my room, bang on my door. And of course, I was on the top bunk and that's where the poetic justice is, but we, or poetic, whatever it is, we won't go there. If somebody's willing to pay, I'm willing to go. And so Byron would bang on my door at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I would, you know, stumble out of the top bunk, Delbert's in the bottom bunk, and we, Byron, me, and Winky, the three of us, we, we would go and empty the boiler. And the way we did that was just by having half-hour hot showers. So when everyone else got up, you thought the system sucked. No, it was Byron, Winky, and me. Sorry. 
I so wish I could auction off stories. That's a new fundraising strategy. Every year I come up with a new one. This year it could be auctioning off stories, um, but I'm not going to go there. So I'm going to go, I'm going to leave the, sub, the ridiculous and I'm going to go to sub, the sublime. Uh, so please transition with me. I love my roommate. We were in class, and we came, I came back from class, and I walk in the room, and I think every hair in my nostril curled and probably smoldered. My dear roommate had been on a chicken catch, and all of his clothes were laying in the room. They were not big rooms, and there was not great ventilation, but they had been in there for a little bit already. So I took the clothes out and put them in the hallway, and for some reason, Tim couldn't understand why his clothes weren't in the room. <laughs> God. It was good. We actually did get along as roommates, but it's true, I, I, we could go chicken picking for 20 bucks, and as many donuts as you could consume. And so that story is actually true. All right, now leaving the ridiculous, heading off to the sublime. Kendi asks me to do this Prairie Today thing. Thank you, Andrew. I wouldn't have a clue. Uh, thank you very much. Okay. So a recent or a critic recently told us collectively as a school, if Prairie closed tomorrow, I fear its impact would be minimal for the kingdom of God. Woohoo, for encouragement. So I've been thinking of late, and this is, I'm being serious now, what is the value, what value does Prairie have for the kingdom? It's a great question, and I want to attempt to answer it. Our historic motto is, continues to be, to know Christ and to make him known. And I'm going to touch on that and illustrate our core values as it pertains to this priority. So we have a, a core value of being lovers of God, or discipleship is another word. But you hear that. We want to be and invite others to be. Lovers of God. Stories abound, and I could, I could spend a lot of time up here telling stories, and I'm not going to, of life change on some scale uh, in, our, in our students. There are gut-wrenching stories of students wrestling with major issues that are very prevalent in society today, and you know what I'm talking about. Now, this, uh, in 2017, we did what we called a student learning outcomes survey, we haven't done one since, and there was this statement that said, I have come to love God more deeply during my time at Prairie. This was affirmed by, I agree or strongly agree, by 96% of our students. So I, I asked the question, does a 180 degree turn in life have value for the kingdom? I think so. 
Another core value is uh, a biblically integrated education, and you've heard Mark talk about that and, and perhaps others. I want to break this up into two parts. What a privilege it is to offer our accredited Bible immersion program in three federal institutions with five student cohorts uh, totaling 45 students. And I mentioned this to some groups, so bear with me if I repeat myself, but Gord Allert, our program coordinator, tells me that there's evidence that Canada's first incarcerated chaplain may emerge from this program. Now, I want to repeat that or put this another way. Does a convict turn chaplain have value for the kingdom? I think so. Vocational currency, so we're still with biblically integrated ed education. Vocational currency, whether you're taking a so-called ministry degree or pursuing a vocational credential, they do have currency in the marketplace. And we're preparing people to be best in class, biblically literate, who will take Jesus to wherever God calls them. I think of a nursing student who just recently, like in the last one to two months, got in trouble with her employer for being just a little too passionate about her faith on the job. So I asked the question, does a passionate disciple in the marketplace have value for the kingdom? I think so. And then, of course, tying in with Prairie's historic purpose, a global vision. Prairie is highly proactive today in providing global exposure opportunities for our students as part of their programs. And every year we have students literally going around the world. Um, I think of an aviation student who wanted to pursue his pilot's license and credentialing there, but had zero appetite or interest in cross-cultural work, whose, pers whose perspective was radically transformed on a trip to Central Africa. And today, this student now flies for Africa Inland Mission in Central Africa. Coupled with that, you just a little tidbit of information, 63% of MAF Canada's pilots are Prairie graduates. Does a responsive student professionally equipped to meet the greatest needs of our world have value for the kingdom? I think so. So to our critic, I offer those responses. That yes, Prairie today has value, tremendous value for the kingdom. And if even one person's life is transformed, that is value for the kingdom. So we, now you expect this of me now, we invite you to partner with us. Uh, we can't do this alone. We are so grateful for our, our alumni and our friends who empower us to do what we do. And you can easily think of your gift, and this is language we use all the time, but it, you'll get the point pretty soon. You can easily think of your gift as an investment with a 40-plus year return. And the, you alumni here tonight are living proof of that investment. Your support of students today has a return that will go on 
for 40, 50, 60, 70 years. And the mere fact that you are here just reaffirms that altogether. So I mentioned last night there would be opportunity. I messed up last night. I completely forgot about the envelopes. So if you would like to support the school in any fashion, uh, envelopes are at the table. Simply fill it in. Uh, I typically tell people just put a number. Zeros mean nothing. We'll just chuck them on the side. And then you can uh, leave that uh, in the basket. We'll come around and pick it up later. Alumni, it's been a delight to have you here this weekend. We thank you for thinking of Prairie. And uh, more importantly, uh, we just thank you so much. And I mean this very sincerely. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, do pray for Mark as he leads the team. Uh, God bless you. Thanks so much. So what a great dinner we had this evening. That roast beef was really good. Let's give the kitchen a hand for that meal. Thank you, kitchen, if you can hear us. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to start into a bit of the program. Um, so I'll invite on the program, says John's first, but we're actually going to invite Bill Redderford up next. So good to be here with you tonight, and praise the Lord for what he's doing. Yeah, my name is Bill Redifer, and I was a, here four years from 75 to 79. I came to Prairie seeking to know the Lord in a deeper way, and Prairie truly was a time of connecting with missions and missionaries while seeking God's will for my life. Now, one of my student highlights and impressionable memories in my freshman year was the Friday Night Young People's Program. This was led by a student planning committee, and it featured many challenges and challengers for missions to our walk and commitment with Christ. I will always remember my first biography night. Do you remember class of 79 it was a story and martyrdom of Phil Jesse Masters, a Prairie alumni, along with Ossie Standale, and they're going into Irian Jaya to take the gospel to the Yali tribe. Don Richardson wrote a book called Lords of the Earth, which is a testimony to these men's stories. Ron Pierce, a PBI senior that year, used a giant jigsaw puzzle on stage, and the pieces were put together in a way to keep me spellbound throughout the whole presentation. Mrs. Masters was also there to give a testimony as well. I knew nothing of this person or their story when I came to Prairie, but was totally awed and challenged by that specific presentation of Phil Masters' life. In my junior year, I was asked to write up an article on Biography Night, and you will find this in the 1978 Prairian. In tracking down Biography Night's history, I interviewed L.E. Maxwell. Not even L.E. Maxwell knew how this began or originated. So in talking with Veronica Lewis at the Prairie Library just a few weeks ago, I found out that they sometimes had one Biography Night back in the old days, or two biography nights per school year. In my time, 
there had, been, there had become a fall and a spring biography night. Now, hey, class is 69. Do you remember your one biography night 50 years ago? I'm t I tasked one person they couldn't remember, so here's your quiz question. The 1969 biographer was David Pulliam. And he did the biography of this man called, I hope I get the name right, Pastor C. Does that ring any bells? Not at all. That's what the, the library said was your presentation in 1969. Now, because Teddy Schumann is here, we need to remind you all that in 1970, Becky Schumann did the biography on a person named Malamo. But my era was 75 to 79, so let me go through these biography nights with you. I mentioned Ron Pierce did Phil Masters in the fall of 1976 was Helen Rosevere by Janet Stipe. Spring of 1976 was Mr. Norman Charter by the Charter Twiplets. Vernon, were you here at that night or no? You were. And of course, that was Larry, Ian, and Pat. And then in the fall of 1977 was David Livingston by Ken Beanert. Spring of 1978 was Irene Webster Smith by Adina Mader. Fall of 1978 was me on John Bunyan. But the class of 69, I'm not going to let you get off the hook without a quiz question, too. Who was the biographer of the spring of 1979, our last year there? Anybody remember? It was Marg Wamsley. And she did a biography of somebody I hardly ever heard of as well. It was a person by the name of Ida Sophia Scudder. Finally, class of 1989. I found out that one Norma Bennett changed biography night to a major drama presentation. And so I'm going to ask you, do you remember what drama presentation was there? Hunter Barnes directed it. Kathy Covert wrote it. It was called Conquerors. Does that ring any bells to you guys? Yeah, good. Little did I know that. At the end of 1977, the Young People's Committee had chosen me to present the biography night for the fall of 1978. Brian Bates found me and invited me to do this. They gave me two choices of presentation, Raymond Lowell, a great missionary to the Muslims of North Africa, or John Bunyan, because the next year would be the 300th anniversary of the printing of Pilgrim's Progress. In fact, music night, and some of the music we heard and saw, that, that they did a music night on Pilgrim's Progress and the, the story of. I chose John Bunyan and researched and planned the presentation over that summer. The presentation was made in November of 1978. I want to share a tape cassette clip with you in my class of just one little portion of that biography night. Some background. John Bunyan was imprisoned in the 1670s because he preached outside the established church. His arrestor thought the meeting he was captured at was a political rally of sedation. When this was found false, they still refused to release him. The skit you are to hear now, the audio skit, is about John Bunyan's wife, Elizabeth, going to the judges to try and free her husband. The voices you hear will be shown on the screen. So, Andrew, if you could play that. It is now time to salute those noble women of God who, per adventure, have been called to be the wife of a pastor. 
There is no better example in history than John Bunyan's wife, Elizabeth. Repeated efforts were made by Bunyan's many friends to free him, and once or twice his valiant wife went before proper authorities to plead his case. At least once she went to London and presented his case before the House of Lords. She was not a naturally bold woman. It took all the courage her timid heart could muster to do it, but for the love of her husband and his children, she went. She was not successful, yet the records give evidence to the fact that she pleaded her case well. The scene is a room in Swan Inn, Bedford. It is April 1661, a few days before the coronation of Charles II. Three judges, my Lord Chester, my Lord Twisden, and my Lord Hale, are seen conversing about the day's activities when unexpectedly a visitor comes to beseech them. My Lord, I come boldly to you again to ask for mercy and to know what may be done with my husband. He has not been lawfully convicted. What do ye know, woman? He has been rightfully convicted. Oh, this John Bunyan is a pest, the likes of whom this country has not seen. He refuses to stop preaching. <laughs> and he is only a tinker. <laughs> woman, do you think your husband would stop preaching? If he would, then we will send for him. My lord, he dares not leave preaching as long as he can speak. Then what is the youth talking about it? But your lord, wait, his four children and I must then live off the charity of good people. Have mercy on our daughter who is blind. Woman, you use poverty as your cloak. Cannot your husband make a better living at his trade than by his preaching? And what is his trade but a lowly tinker? Yes. Yes, and because he is a tinker and a poor man, therefore he is despised and cannot have justice. Perhaps we should reconsider it. What? Come, come, my lord. He will preach and do what he wants. But he preaches nothing but the word of God. The word of God? Ah! He does nothing but go up and down England doing harm. No, my lord, it is not so. God owns him and has done much good by him. God, you say, not so. His doctrine is the doctrine of the devil. My lord... When the righteous judge shall come, it shall then be known that his doctrine is not the doctrine of the devil. Wait! Wait, my lord, please, please! At that point, the three judges callously turned their backs on the tinker's wife and exited to another room. Elizabeth, Lord and Savior, had said, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, therefore the world hates you. Elizabeth left that room with a sorrowful heart. But not for the reason that you or I or another might think. She writes, I could not but break forth into tears, not so much because they were so hard-hearted against me and my husband, but at the thought of the account these responsible ones of the earth would have to give when the Lord of all the earth shall come. Now I trust that brought back to you some fond memories of your biography nights and young people's meetings. While the banquet food was served, we played some specials and numbers from the John Bunyan evening. You might have noted the theme of being a pilgrim in the world. Here we are, now decades later. I've had the privilege of being at all the regrads since Prairie started them some years ago. I don't want to mess this occasion because it really is a mini-biography night. Last night was so special. Thanks for sharing with us a brief history of your lives over the past 50 years, grads of uh, 69. That was so special. Regrad to me is like reading Acts 29 in the Bible. 
the ongoing story of God's Holy Spirit's work in our world, and the extensions of God's testimony of his presence with all of us on our life pilgrimage with him. We indeed owe our all to him and thank him for his great faithfulness as we follow him. And we thank the Lord for using Prairie and its many servants in our lives when we were here as students. That's, we've been talking about that a lot in our class this weekend. Praise his name. What a wonderful place this has been. And may the Lord continue to bless it and use it for his glory. Thank you very much, Bill. And we do remember with great joy those wonderful biography nights. Well, it's been a great privilege to be back. And, uh, you know, we've been trying to wrap our minds around the fact that all these years have gone by. For our class, 40 years. And uh, we've been thinking a lot about some of the changes we've gone through. Uh, the pace of change today, as you know, is, is really happening at breakneck speed. And uh, somebody said to me, you can buy a computer at 9 o'clock in the morning and they've got a better and faster model out by 4 p.m. Did you know that 35% of the grads today are starting jobs that didn't exist before they were born? Uh, it even has touched transportation. Somebody sent this to me. I want to share it with you. My great-grandfather rode a horse but was afraid of the train. My grandfather rode the train but was afraid of the car. My father rode in a car but was afraid of the airplane. And now I ride in an airplane and I'm afraid of a horse. <laughs> well, you know, for our class of 69, or for our class of 79, it's been um, 40 years and uh, I was thinking as we were driving here about some of the headlines that happened that year. In 79, Joe Clark was the first uh, and youngest prime minister uh, of his time. Um, Joe Clark and... <laughs> Joe who, right. The Iranian, uh, the Iranian hostage crisis was um, gripping the attention of the world with the 52... American hostages that were held for 444 days. Margaret Thatcher was elected as the first female prime minister in England. And China introduced its one-child policy that year. We all know that so much has changed. Uh, no one had a personal computer. Nobody had a cell phone. Uh, they hadn't dreamed up the word internet yet. And the two ways, main ways of communicating were on the telephone or snail mail only. And uh, I, I was thinking back to our student days of uh, praying for missionaries. And uh, we would send a letter. It would take two weeks to get there and two weeks back. How's that? Four weeks turnaround time. That's why we call it snail mail, right? A while back, our son was uh, writing a university paper on the computer and and I was watching him and he was making quick corrections as as he was working his th way through the page and and my mind flashed back to my days as a student here you remember those good old typewriters you stick the paper in you type three quarters of the page make the mistake and then rip the page out you remember those days right 
Well, for our class, it's 40 years, and you'll know that in the Bible that year 40 is significant. It was symbolizing a period of testing, trial, and probation. And I thought about Moses, 40 years in Egypt learning to be somebody, 40 years in the desert learning to be nobody, and, uh, and then God selecting him to do a very significant uh, work of leading the people out of bondage. This reunion time has been tremendous. We've really enjoyed this weekend together. And, uh, and we think back to those formative years. So many in our class this afternoon talked about uh, how important the years were in their lives. Uh, here at Prairie, for many, it was the beginning of a deeper, more personal journey with the Lord and in preparation for um, a life of, of very fulfilling ministry. And all of that coming from um, a, such a loving staff and faculty who sacrificed so many things to make sure that we were able to make our way through four years of training. So much has happened uh, in our lives, and uh, we, we were not able to get everyone here from the three classes that are represented, but uh, so many wrote in and expressed to us the fact that they would have loved to have been here. Uh, in our class, they're scattered all over the globe. We have one fellow in Thailand. Uh, we have some in India. We have them um, really right across the globe. And they would have loved to uh, have been here with us. But they're doing what they were prepared to do, right? In sharing the good news of the gospel and growing the church and, and making a difference in our present-day world. Um, we also had the chance to look through the yearbook. Man, that's an embarrassing moment. I didn't have gray hair back in 79. And we chuckled as we looked through those pictures and, uh, and just had a chance to sit and reminisce and uh, talk about some of the humor we heard here tonight and, and things that happened in the dorm and in the classroom. And uh, we also thought about those that the Lord has called home to glory. In our class... Um, we'll have it go up on the screen here. Um, our class, there are eight individuals that um, the Lord has called home to glory. And uh, oh, I, we got a little malfunction there. Is that okay? Let's, let's go through these. So Virginia Booty, John Baird, and you notice John was on the slide here tonight as Bill shared his part. Um, Monica Prasad, Lorraine Wibbing. Terry Lobb, Max Phillips, Betty Lewis, John Schmidt. Eight individuals that uh, the Lord has called home to glory. And, and I was thinking of those beautiful words in Psalm 139. Lord, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. In that beautiful verse, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And so as they've gone on before, we anticipate that great day when we, we will be reunited with them in that great reunion up above. Thank you.
This is my last chance to be up here. I think we would all like to say thank you to Candy and her team. How about that? Yeah. Give her the standing ovation, yeah. Done a great job. Thank you, Candy. Thank you to everybody on the team. My apologies to Bill Refifer. <laughs> I messed up on the typo, you know. Uh, and it's nice to do something and make a mistake like that with someone who's as gracious as Bill. Not that we want to do it twice. You know. uh, it is also my privilege to introduce our speaker this evening, someone that I think all of you know, but he's also a very dear friend of ours. He and Ramona have um, sort of spoken life into our personal lives, probably life into your own lives, and he's here to do it this evening. Um, Elaine and I would at least put some guilt at his doorstep for us being here, because when he saw that there was a, an opening that he thought we needed to do something about, he was the one who actually paid for my ticket to fly out here to uh, talk about it, and then we made the, the transitions after that. So we've, we've had a, a long and, and a very happy friendship with Phil and Ramona. We love you. We're grateful for you. Um, you've seen many different pieces of talent on the stage, and we want to offer these to you in your various churches. So um, as you head back to your home churches and places, um, think about how you might um, sort of tap different people, draw them in. Uh, we have a great deal with Phil. We try and get him to drop our name on every stage that he goes to. And that way our name gets sort of sprinkled around. And we hope that that helps get our message out there a little bit as well. Um, but, you know, he'll be able to come to your churches. We've got, uh, you've heard some great music this weekend. Our talent in music is growing, and Mark Jonah and all of those teams are available to you. And when you need a youth, uh, a worship pastor, well, a youth pastor too, when you need a, a, a worship pastor, we invite you to come fishing in our pond to draw out this talent for your church. Would you give Phil a warm welcome? Wait, wait, let me, let me, let me, let me pray, and then, and then give, him, give him a welcome. My Father, we thank you for Phil. We pray that you'd bless him now, that we would hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give him a hand. All right. Mark, thank you very much. You're very kind to me, and he introduces me occasionally and is, is always kind. I don't know what happened, but uh, thank you for doing that. I, um, I am reminded of the great American uh, theologians, the eagles, that sang, you can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. And I feel that with my own life, where I do get to go away from Prairie, but can't seem to get away on a, a very uh, long-term basis. Mark will not let me leave, and so you can blame him. I love being here, I really do. And thank you, so many of you have been kind to me already tonight, and you haven't even heard me, uh, but thank you for your, your comments. Wherever you go, you encounter prairie people, don't you? We were yesterday, uh, last night speaking in Edmonton, we were at Costco, because they, I don't know if you knew this, but you can now buy caskets at Costco. Uh, sadly, you have to buy 12. But it's a good deal, I'll tell you, it is. Uh, 
but we were in there and walking along, and a lady, I heard a lady say, thanks for your show. And uh, I looked around, and it wasn't my wife. It was another, a lady that just kept walking. And I said, hey. And she stopped and, and came back, and I asked her about her life, and she said her daughter is here in school and loving it, which is so cool. And I hear over and over from people who uh, are impacted by this school. Wherever we are, overseas in airports, we are stopped by prairie people. It is fantastic. How cool. Well, Mark asked me if I, he said that Harold Fuller was not going to be able to be here and would I fill in, basically, which is just ridiculous. I, but I, I love you for it. Uh, Harold has been a friend, an encouragement, a, a great example to me through the years. He is. He and his family. I thank God for his life and ministry. Uh, but, you know, what an honor to speak uh, with Harold, knowing that, that Harold is cheering me on there. Who'd have thunk when I was sneaking around campus after hours, ministry, I called it, <laughs> stuffing potatoes in the exhaust pipe of the night watchman, Fred Pachta. Did anyone remember Fred? Oh, I was a, a blessing to him, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> that I would be asked one day to share. You know, that someone would put a microphone in front of my face and say, here, 20 minutes, you know, go ahead. Well, it is a miracle, and God is good, is he not? Have you seen this in your own life, in the lives of your family? His grace is amazing, and sometimes it is amusing, don't you think? I, um, like Harold, so many of you have been heroes of mine through the years, and I have seen God uh, work in your lives. I've seen you walk with him humbly and faithfully, and sometimes through great adversity. And when the tough times have come for us, I have often thought of those who have gone ahead and who have done an amazing thing in the midst of life's difficulties, hanging in there. It was the truths that I learned here and the example of my parents and my friends uh, that have helped Ramona and I stay stuck for 37 years. It's not stuck. I'm happy to be stuck with you. I really am. 37 years, 37 of the best years of her life, I'll tell you. I uh, have been such a blessing. But... The years fly by. Has anyone realized as you're looking around, some of these people have aged? Huh? Did you think that this weekend? Some of these dear people are getting older. And it's true. You know, I, I don't know. You don't man, meet many people who have been north of 50 for very long who say to you, you know, it just goes so slow. Right? It goes fast. It's unbelievable. I was not prepared to, leave, to live this long. My fifth grade teacher, Miss Ida Weissmuller, I changed her name years ago for reasons I have them. She said to me one day, Callaway, there's a bus leaving in 10 minutes. Be under it. And uh, I don't blame her. I thought my name was smarting up. I was not a good kid in those days. But uh, we used to super glue salt shakers to restaurant tables. We used to sign classmates up for the military. Some of them are still serving, I do believe. I heard about uh, three, I actually met one of the three who did this great prank out in Ontario, Canada. They, each of them, farm kids, brought a piglet to school and they painted a number on the side of each one of those piglets, numbers one, two, and four, and they released them into the school. Administrators spent the entire afternoon looking for piglet number three. Piglet number three, never found piglet number three. Is that great, Steve? It was probably involved you as well. You did that. And now some of us are grandparents. Are there a few? 
Huh? Just a couple? No one's admitting it tonight. Okay. Irene, I see those hands. Yes, beautiful. Ken and Myrna. Wow. So many friends around this room. It's just stunning. Um, I, I, and do you ever tell your grandchildren, don't do that? You know, I never did that. <clears throat> okay, yeah, sure. I never did that. But grandparenting is great. I love a job description that says, be godly, be goofy, and always carry gummy bears, you know. Just all natural, gluten-free, sugar-free, taste-free, you know, gummy bears. And that's what I do. Don't tell my daughter that they're not sugar-free at all. But here's uh, a picture. See if we can get it up here of my grandchildren. I did this. I turned this thing on. Did I turn this on? I did. Oh, yeah. Can you flip it on to the next slide? There we go. Just leave that on up there. We had eight of them in, in just over three years, and it's been a wild ride. The only thing strange about having grandchildren, the only drawback is the night after our Sophia was born, our first grandchild, I sat up in the middle of the night and I thought, I'm married, I, I, I'm sleeping with a grandma. I'm sorry, but that thought came to me. It was just weird, and, and that's the only bad thing about it. Otherwise, I feel fine. And one of the keys at this age of life is, is you're learning new stuff, right? And so I took my first selfie recently. I want to show that to you, if you don't mind. Uh, there you are. You've got to learn technology. But it's good to laugh, isn't it? We need to. Sometimes we do not feel like it. How many have stuff that hurts right now? Come on, be honest. A number of us do. My hand is in the air. How many are just, you're cranky sometimes? Anyone? Yes. How many have met cranky people? Yes, okay, far more now, of course. Sometimes we don't feel all that great. When you're a kid, everything is funny. You just find stuff funny. But you look at grown-ups and you think, ah, they're cranky. Look at them. They're probably 30. What can you still do at 30? Do you remember thinking that when you were a child? Yeah, I have thought that. Guy came up to me after an event. He said, I, I don't laugh outwardly. He said, this is just the face God gave me. He looked so sour. He looked like he could suck buttons off a sofa. He just, you know, he said, this is just a face. I don't laugh outwardly. He said, I am really quite joyful inside. I said to him, tell your face about your joy, please, please. You know, a stifled laugh will back up on you and spread to your hips. So let it go. I say, let it go. Yeah. You gotta laugh as you age. Our son Jeffrey, he came home, he was 16 years of age. He said, Mom, I wanna get married, but I wanna bring home three girls. You have to guess which one it is. What? Brought three beautiful women into our home, sat on the sofa, began to converse with my wife. And finally, enough, Mom, just guess which one it is. She pointed right at the one in the middle. Her, how did you know? She said, Because I don't like her. <laughs> it's not true, but you know. Whatever your stage in life, you gotta find some joy. You gotta laugh a little bit. It's a good idea. I turned 50 recently. I won't tell you. I'm approaching 50, okay? I won't tell you from which side. But when I turned 50, I looked in the mirror. I said, honey, I don't look 50. She said, no, but you used to. No. <laughs> At my age, I don't even know how to, what to wear. I, I confessed this to her. Do I wear boxers or briefs? She said, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. What, boxers, briefs? She said, Oh, it depends, you know. <laughs> I didn't get the joke at all. I read a story about a girl in England who brought her hamster to the vet 
Now, it had not moved in three days. It was just leaning up against the side of the cage, unable to move. And the hamster pulled it out of the cage, and it was alive. It started going around in lopsided circles. And finally, he stopped, and he reached into its mouth and pulled out a fridge magnet. A fridge magnet. Turned out this hamster had been out on leave for a few minutes, running around the floor, and had scarfed up a fridge magnet stuck in its pouch, and, and it was, for the next three days, stuck up against the side of the cage due to its magnetic personality, I'm sure. And I got laughing at that story, and I thought, man, I don't know, that's me more and more lately. I get, I, you know, I, I have been swallowing the wrong stuff. I have been feeding on the wrong stuff, and I think I've got to stop. we got to get focusing at our age on those whatsoever things in Scripture, don't we? Things that are pure and lovely and of good report. If there is any virtue, if there is any praise, think on these things. We need that on a fridge magnet, don't we? And make sure you don't feed it to your hamster. Don't just keep it away from the hamster. Tonight, we want to do a little bit of that. I don't know if you get watching the news. Does anyone watch the news? The news anchor bids you a good evening, then spends an entire hour telling you why it isn't. And we wonder why the hope gets sucked out of our lives, why the joy is gone. Sometimes I look at the next generation. I, I hope this isn't being recorded, right? And I think you, 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 you don't know which way to point your hats or how high to pull your pants. You can't run things. No. And I get cranky. Your music sounds like someone trying to kill chickens with a jackhammer. Come on. You have more tattoos than brain cells. You know, have you ever thought that way? And suddenly I realize I am in danger of becoming a geezer. Has anyone ever met a geezer? There aren't any in this room, I know. But we are in danger if we are not careful of becoming a geezer. Of going from thrills to ills, pills, bills, and wills. Right? That's us. It's easy to become a geezer. And I want to show you what that looks like if I can operate. Is it working now? Yeah. Geezer-proof your life. All right. So I've got three steps for you. Many of you taking notes. Mark, are you taking notes? None, nobody. All right. Whatever your health, whatever your age, to help us die young as old as we can. Does that sound good to you? And the first secret is simply this. The fruit of the Spirit is not prunes. Do I get an Amen. Amen. Do you read that in the fruits of the Spirit? No. The second one is joy, isn't it? The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, I, I did not see a lot of joy in Christians when I was a little boy growing up uh, in Saskatchewan. Uh, no, I think most of you know where I grew up. But there wasn't a lot of joy there. Uh, many of them, there was incredible joy. I can remember I was motivated by Ellie Maxwell to never bore anyone from the pulpit. You know, he, I saw him jump off the banister in the tabernacle once. There was joy there, and I loved that. But that wasn't always the case. We used to sing a song, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. See, they had to keep asking. Because they could not find it. I thought a joyful Christian was an oxymoron like jumbo shrimp and military intelligence and Microsoft works, you know? <laughs> oh, 
The second fruit of the Spirit is joy. We started doing a radio program that began here in Canada uh, about almost seven years ago, just simply called Laugh Again. We've been praying for almost 15 years, praying for this thing. It's a big deal to get done. And suddenly God began opening the doors, and it's now on hundreds of stations in the U.S. and overseas, and we're so amazed by that. Feel free to sign up back at our book table and get it on your phone so you can click it. That's a little ad for you. The responses have been amazing. A lady that that passed us in West Edmonton Mall and just grabbed my hand and said, do you realize what has happened? I've come to faith in Jesus through your program, and I'm so amazed. If God can use, uh, God used a donkey, friends. Let's not get too high on ourselves. He can use absolutely anybody. It's amazing. And she began to talk to me, and and she said, I'm learning English, listening to your program. And I said, oh, I will pray for you, you know. (laughs) Wow. We're so thrilled. But what I've also discovered is that some people don't like you laughing. Have you realized this? I told a story about a little girl named Chrissy looking up at Grandpa from his knee. She said, Grandpa, make a noise like a frog. He said, why? She said, because Daddy said that when you croak, we can all go to Disneyland. (laughs) Well, I thought that was funny. I got a letter saying that you should never joke about death. Never. I'm sorry, friend, but my wife lost five immediate family members in one year. And if we did not have joy, if we did not have hope, I don't know where we would be. We'd be weaving baskets somewhere. I know we would. But God has, 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 I had a phone call from a guy who said, Callaway, I don't much like your sense of humor. What does laughing have to do with being a Christian? Where in the last days, this is hardly a time for laughter. What would you say, Jake? I said, is that you, Dad? You know, I didn't know what else to say. Wow. But friends, we have been forgiven. Amen. How many have? How many are married? These are the same people, aren't they? Yeah. Eternity is waiting. Does that excite you? Isn't that amazing? Wow. I, uh, we need to lighten up a little bit. I, I told a joke about a single gal who specified that at her funeral, there'd be no male pallbearers. They wouldn't take me out when I was alive. I don't want them taking me out when I'm dead. I have a three-page letter in my office giving me grief for that. It's beautifully written. I'm going to frame it, I think. It's so cool. But the most important issues have been dealt with by our Savior Jesus Christ on an old rugged cross. And we are free to rejoice tonight. Oh, wow. Sometimes we forget this stuff, don't we? Sometimes we complain. Has anyone ever met someone who has thought of complaining? Two of you, okay. Three, maybe. All right. Here's something I complained about recently. Asked my wife. I complained about hard butter. What it does to the bread. Say, oh, oh, you feel sorry for me. Here are some other complaints. My hand is too chubby for the Pringles chip container. So I have to tilt the container. Oh, say, oh, yeah. The string on my tea bag fell into the water. Yeah. My seedless watermelon had a seed in it. Yeah. When I eat my potato chips, I can't hear the TV. (laughs) How many? That's you. That's you. My husband does everything I ask him to do, but why did I have to ask him? That's an actual complaint. My electric toothbrush died, and now I have to move my arm. Wow, life is tough. I think one of the dangers of getting older for all of us is that we sit around talking about how good the old days used to be. Yeah, and that's fun. But it's ridiculous because the good old days weren't all good. They weren't. 
I, I, how many here had to wait at least two minutes for your tube radio to warm up at some point in your life? Or your parents, right? Yes. Uh, not that we would listen to the radio at Prairie in those years. We had to be careful. How many of you have ever walked across six feet of ugly green shag carpet to change one channel on a TV? Click. Uh, not at Prairie. I know that. I know that. But that, yeah. Do you remember rabbit ears? Your little brother, you, maybe your big brother sent you up onto the roof and there you were, you know, holding it. And don't move right there. No, back an inch. Yeah, there. Lick the pole. It's winter time and you're going to die up there. Oh, the good old days were not all good. We had to wash dishes with soap and water and dry them with a towel. That's the only time we were allowed to dance on campus was when we were snapping towels at each other in the kitchen. The good old days weren't all good. Phones were attached to walls. Life was hard. We had a two-foot cord on our phone. And you're standing there, and my sister, Ruth, Carolyn Ruth, was, was there behind me two inches away, you know, as I'm talking to my girlfriend, which was illegal. And she's going, ah, you know. Oh, man. Each era has its obstacles and its opportunities. Which are we going to focus on? I uh, heard a, an amazing story about um, a women of faith movement Conference was oversold by 15 seats. This was in Sacramento, California. That's a wee bit of a problem. Organizers began to conscript uh, volunteers to phone all of these women who were coming, thousands of them, and, and apologize in advance because we're going to have to put little smaller seats into the place and, and we're going to get you all in there, but we're sorry. Two hours into the conference, the complaints began to flood in. My buns are wedged too tightly. My neck is sore from looking up at the platform too abruptly. And so they asked the next speaker, would she mind just addressing the problem and apologizing again on behalf of the organizers? And she said, sure. I've been blessed on a couple of occasions to spend time with this gal, and I'll show you uh, here if you can flip that forward. I think most of you here know Johnny Erickson Tada. Paralyzed at the age of 16 in a diving accident. What a gal. What an amazing gal. Picture this. She was wheeled onto the platform. And sitting there before these ladies, she said, I understand some of you aren't sitting in the seats you were hoping to be sitting in tonight. Well, neither am I. And I've been in mine for more than 40 years. And smiling her beautiful smile, she said, I have thousands of friends who would give anything to sit where you are sitting tonight, if just for tonight. There was not one more complaint lodged that weekend. Many said it was the best conference they'd ever been to in their lives. Joy grows best in the soil of thanksgiving. Make sure that's us as we grow older. The fruit of the Spirit is not prunes. The second thing to remember is don't jump from the train when you're in a tunnel. Okay? Stay faithful. I am so thankful for each one of you. And through the turbulence of life and whatever has happened, we can from this moment on say, I want to be faithful, God. Give me the strength to stay committed. I mentioned we've been married 37 years. It's been a miracle. Absolutely every year has been a miracle. I was so cheap. I once got after my wife for, for, for using only one tea bag. You know, you, I said, honey, you know, you, 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 you're only, you, you use one tea bag for one cup. You can do better. My mother, which is a wonderful way of starting sentences, <laughs> used to use the same tea bag for weeks up here on Prairie Heights, you know. And then we would, she, would, she would make soup with it, and, and then salad, and then we would floss with the strings, you know. 
and then smoke the leftovers. <laughs> oh, I did. I hate to confess these things, but there you go. Ah. But she has forgiven me and she loves me and she helps me laugh. She once said, I don't think the line was original with her, but if you want breakfast in bed, sleep in the kitchen. You know, <laughs> you gotta laugh. I, uh, I was telling at a marriage conference that, that, that four, you can live four years longer by staying married, according to some study that has been done. And uh, so I mentioned that. A guy came up to me afterwards. He said, that thing about the four more years, he said, that, that, that just seems longer. He said, that's just four more years of misery. And I said, well, that's up to you. He said, how long have you been married? And I think it was 35 years at the time. I said, 35 years. He said, in a row? I said, yeah, it can be done. It is possible. Stay faithful. And you will be fruitful. You will. God ain't finished with any of us yet. Late in life, my mama, Bernice Calloway, was a prayer warrior. She saw a Gap t-shirt come and she knew what it stood for. God answers prayer. She'd seen him do it and he wasn't about to stop. When I was a kid, I didn't have much use for prayer. I didn't. My mother taught me how to pray if I should die before I wake. And I'm thinking, I'm four. What am I going to die of? You know, hardening of the arteries, kidney stones, osteoporosis. And then my older brother threatened to kill me and my prayers took on new urgency. <laughs> and so it is in life, isn't it? Some of us have turned into prayer warriors. We never expected that, did we? And here we are. Wow. God answers prayer. I have been frightened to death of public speaking for 25 years. And I've been public speaking for 25 years. God, every time I get up, does a miracle. I'm telling you, it's amazing. I have been afraid now in my old age of having a heart attack while playing the game charades. <laughs> have you thought of this? Uh, you're clutching your chest and they're guessing. That's my latest fear. Forgive me. Okay. <laughs> Fear visits us all. An old guy told me he was headed for the coffee shop. I said, what are you guys doing there? I see you. I won't mention the, the guy's name or anything. But he said, we talk about how bad things are. That's what he said. And we started laughing. Wow. I like what? He said, the kids, you know, music, teenagers, politics. He said, that's number one. I said, man, the, I know these are tough times, but God is at work. Get on board. I have from a, a guy that is personally connected with communist member officials in China, from us speaking over in Asia, he told me, he said, there are more Christians in China than communists now, and they are very concerned about this. Is God at work? He is, my friend. It is remarkable. God is changing lives. I am here today because my dad, who was part scotch and part club soda, had God get a hold of his life out in Ontario, Canada. And mom and dad got married and they wanted to serve God overseas and they came to Three Hills, Alberta. And I was born back in 1951, 1840 for my kids. That's what they think it was. But all along the way, God has been faithful. It has not been easy. But hang in there. Maybe you say, Phil, I appreciate that and everything, but things have not turned out like I planned. I don't know what God is up to, frankly. It was 1921, David Fledden and his wife Svea left Sweden for Africa to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people there in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. They, they didn't want them there. They told them to leave, and so they did. They went a few miles away from the area they were designated to be in. They, they built this little hut, 
And they got down on their knees and they began to pray for a breakthrough, but nothing happened. Well, one little boy came to the door and he was selling vegetables and fruit. And they bought from him and they began to converse through a translator with him. And they told him about the God who would rather die than live without him, about Jesus Christ. And the little boy prayed a little prayer, but that was it. Nothing else happened. In fact, Svea got pregnant, she endured malaria, and she died. She gave birth to a little girl. Her grieving husband, David, dug a rough grave and buried his 27-year-old wife, handed his daughter to another missionary couple and announced, I'm going back to Sweden. God has ruined my life. The little girl grew up in South Dakota. Her parents named her Aggie. Aggie married, gave birth to two children of her own, and one day a Swedish Christian magazine appeared in her mailbox. She had no idea who had sent it. A photo stopped her cold. It was a grave. It was a white cross and the words, Svea Flood. She began to read the story of the birth of a baby, the death of a mother, a couple who had come long ago and of one little African boy she had led to Jesus. The boy had grown up and built a school. Gradually, he had won all the students to Jesus. The chief, too. There were 600 Christians in the village now, all because of her parents, David and Svea flood. For their 25th anniversary, Aggie and her husband were given tickets by friends to go back to Sweden, where they discovered that her dad, David Flood, had remarried. He was still alive. He had fathered four more children. He had given his life over to alcohol. If he heard God's name, he flew into a rage, and they were warned not to mention God's name. In a rundown building, Aggie found her father, the one-time missionary, 73 now, he suffered from diabetes. Cataracts covered both eyes. Aggie fell to her, his side crying, Papa, I'm your little girl, the one you left in Africa. I never meant to give you away, he said. I just, I couldn't handle things. It's okay, Papa. God took good care of me. He stiffened. He said, God forgot us all. Papa, Aggie continued, you didn't go to Africa in vain. Mama didn't die in vain. The one little boy you brought to Jesus grew up to win his whole Village to the Lord. The one seed you planted kept growing and growing, and today there are at least 600 African Christians because you were there. You were faithful, Papa. Jesus loves you. He never hated you. And David Flood broke. Tears of sorrow and repentance flowed down his face, and he recommitted his life to Jesus. Within a few weeks, he was gone. Years later, get this. Aggie and her husband attended a conference in London, England. A report was given from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The speaker represented 110,000 believers. Afterwards, Aggie made her way up front and talked to him. She asked, sir, did you ever hear the names David and Svea Flood? His eyes brightened. He said, yes. Svea Flood led me to Jesus when I was just a little boy. He said, they had a little girl. I don't know what happened to her. Do you know? She said, yeah, I'm that little girl. Imagine that. Wow. Aggie and her husband in time went to Africa where they were welcomed by throngs of villagers and Aggie was escorted to her mother's graveside and that white cross where she knelt and gave thanks. I do not pretend to understand the ways of God, my friends. That would be like an aardvark understanding the internet. It's not going to happen. But tonight I give thanks for you. 
I thank God for the seeds you have been planting and the seeds you will continue to plant. Don't give up. Stay faithful. Hang in there. That day is going to come when we bow before him, we cast our crowns, and we celebrate answered prayer and God's amazing grace. So don't jump from the train. The ultimate family reunion is about to arrive, friends. And we're all going to be there. Which reminds me, in closing, very quickly, to live so the preacher won't have to lie at your funeral. Would you remember that? Go ahead. Say it with me. Live so the preacher... Yeah, we almost caught up. Good, good job. Years ago, Gordon MacDonald, I'll sit down in about two minutes, wrote down eight characteristics of old men he admired. I love this. The first one was gratitude. They are grateful people. Secondly, they take an enthusiastic interest in younger people. May that be us, all of us. I sat at a banquet I was speaking at. The music was, was cool and it was loud. And there we were and a 93-year-old guy was sitting beside me. And I asked him, I said, do you like the music? <laughs> I, or something like that. What do you think? Of he said, I like the people who like this music. Wow, what a guy. I want to be him when I'm old, when I grow up. Number three, they keep their minds sharp and agile. As much as possible, let's be doing that. Number four, they are big picture people. They resist panic when current events get others down. Number five, they never retire. He said, yes, the years slow them down, but they still have a God-given sense of mission. What is your purpose? I wrote down mine after an earthquake in Seattle. I wrote on an airline napkin as we took off from that airport to Calgary. I will consider myself a success, a success when I'm walking close to Jesus every day, building a strong marriage, loving my kids, and performing meaningful work. I'll consider myself a success when I'm making others homesick for heaven. That has become my prayer and the way I want to be remembered and live. Number six, they still love their wives dearly, Gordon says, even romantically. Number seven, they don't try to hold on to power. They are happy to step off the stage and shine the spotlight on others. And they know how to pray. When I think of such a a person I think of my parents. I want to show you a picture because you, most of you here would remember them well. Mom and dad passed away and they didn't leave much behind. We, we looked everywhere, didn't we, Tim? You know. <laughs> they didn't leave much behind, or did they? They left behind a legacy of a 62 and a half year marriage, not perfect in any way, but they loved each other. I knew it. And they told me they loved me. Dad did this when he was 77 years of, old, of age for the first time. I knew it all along, but it meant a great deal to me. I am a wealthy boy because they didn't chase things that you can't cram in your coffin. I am so very, very thankful. I held my little Sophia in my arms, thinking, what a world we brought you into, little girl. I thought... Jesus is here. I'm here too. You're going to like me a lot. And I began to sing, this is no time for fear. This is a time for faith and determination. Don't lose the vision here. God is in control. We believe that his children will not be forsaken. We will choose to remember and never be shaken. There is no power above or beside him. We know God is in control. Stephen and I were going past the graveyard. Did you get out there this time? There's a lot of people we know out at the graveyard. 
My son and I, he was five, he looked out the window, there was a hole dug in the ground, a pile of dirt beside it. He pointed, he said, Dad, look, one got out. And I started to laugh, but the more I laughed, the more I thought about those words, and the more I thought about them, the more I hung on to them, because that is our reason for joy tonight. One got out. Jesus Christ is risen. I don't know what you face as you go home, but there is one who will face it with you, one who will give you strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow, the one who got out. God bless you, each one. have to pray after Phil. Wow. Okay, let's, uh, let's just close this in prayer and uh, thank the Lord for cheesecake. No, sorry. Um, yeah, let's just pray. Okay. Father, thank you. We want our lives to be filled with the joy of the Lord because you give us joy in our salvation. We want to be able to be shining lights for you we want to be able to point people in the direction of you, Lord Jesus. Help us to continue to be faithful, to be faithful in the little things of life, those things that happen every day, that we show forth your love. Thank you for this time that we've had together. What a wonderful time. I just love life. I love just being around these wonderful people. Bless every single one. Show them again your love for them. And thank you for our time together as classes of 69, 79, and 89. Bless your holy name in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Well, thank you so much for coming out tonight, and um, it's hard to follow, yes, all of that, and thank you so much, Phil, for sharing tonight and as well. And uh, so just as our last closing thing, um, just want to remind you that we have lunch tomorrow, but thank you so much for coming out tonight, and thank you so much for coming out this weekend, and we just hope that it has been an encouragement to you, that you have been reminded of the way that God um, came and met you here at Prairie during your time of studies, but also that it has refreshed you, and it's encouraged you, and we're excited to also, again, send you out from here. So blessings, and thanks again for coming this weekend.